Welcome to School of PE Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Miller, and I'm so glad that you could join me this week. We are going to discuss topics about FE, PE, and SE, and we're also going to answer questions that will help students prepare for their exams. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the School of PE's weekly broadcast, or podcast, sorry. My name is Chris Miller. Today, i got a special guest with us here today. i got Ms. Erin Kelly. Uh, she's one of our instructors, so let's go ahead and give her a warm welcome, and let's uh, get you started there, Erin. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, sure. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, kind of hang out here this afternoon or maybe this morning for you. I think you're a, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a West Coaster. So let's get, let's uh, introduce you to the audience. Tell me a little about yourself. I know I've known you, I think, a little over a year. You uh, started teaching for School of PE and you've taken on some other projects. So it's been a it's been a fun ride with you. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity for uh, some of the School of PE people to kind of get to know you. So if you could just, you know, kind of tell me about you. Yeah, for sure. So my name's Erin Kelly. Um, I'm originally from the East Coast. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I currently live in San Diego, California. Um, and I'm a civil structural engineer. So I got my education on the East Coast. I worked a lot in New York City. And then as I learned more about earthquakes and got more into the earthquake side of structural engineering, I moved out here to California. Um, so I currently work for a firm called Blackstone Consulting. And I, um, I conduct seismic risk assessments of buildings um, in the commercial real estate space at the moment. Exciting. So, you know, I have a lot of instructors from the East Coast, but none have made the move from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. That's a, that's a pretty good <laughs> move. So what are, the, what are some of your favorite things that maybe you miss from back home? Oh, man. Um, I think just I miss the snow in the winter for sure. I like going home for Christmas and seeing the snow. And the heat in the summer is kind of more mild out here in the West Coast. Um, so the seasons for sure. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, so we are a big, big sports town. I love the Steelers and the Penguins oh, no. and the Pirates. And San Diego, the Chargers left the year I moved here. <laughs> the Padres are doing well this year, but it's not the same. There's not the same enthusiasm as there was back in Pittsburgh. So I definitely miss that. Pittsburgh's definitely a sports town. My brother's a huge Steeler fan, so that's his biggest flaw. Uh, so <laughs> a lot of people say that, honestly. Most people are like, you're not a Steelers fan, are you? But I love them so much. Well, good. They're doing well, so that's exciting. You know, I'm from yeah. California originally. I've been in Ohio for four, so I was going to – I have some questions to ask you being out there in California. Mm -hmm. uh, one, San Diego's beautiful. I was just out there in March, and the weather's hard to beat, so it's hard to, hard to sit here and – and listen to someone and say, hey, I missed the, the weather. Of yeah. yeah, I like visiting. I like to get it just in small doses. Right. You know, one of my favorite things, you know, since I moved to Ohio is the, is the fall season, you know, the changing of the color. So so I can see how you miss that from being in San Diego, where it's probably almost always sunny and, and yeah. high, fairly warm, but not too warm. Yeah. Um, and our fall, it's really hot. It's like it's typically like 80 to 90 only in September and October. Oh, so no, when everyone fun. on the East Coast is pulling out their sweaters, we're like dying because we don't have AC. So oh. those are the, <laughs> the tough months. Oh, wow. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. imagine that. So you know, <laughs> being in New York, I imagine you probably visited the uh, Shake Shack. Yeah, yeah. My first office was right on Madison Square Park there. All right. So one of the, I guess, the biggest arguments you'll find between New York and California is Shake Shack versus In-N-Out. I love it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I tell people there's not even a comparison. So you've got on the bandwagon for In-N-Out? 
Yes, very much so. Because now there's a lot of Shake Shacks. Um, there's actually a lot of Shake Shacks in Utah when I go there for work. I often get Shake Shack. But yeah, in California, I always get in and out. It's so All good. Right. Good answer. That'll that'll kind of offset your Pittsburgh Steeler fandom there. <laughs> that go. The second question for California, especially San Diego, is: Have you been to the cafe or Coyote Cafe, the Mexican uh, food out there? No. Where is that? Oh, I think it's in Old Town. I think. Okay, I'll check you it gotta out. Check it out. I was there in March. I met someone out there, and um, I was walking down the street in the, in that like one or two blocks. There must have been fourteen different taco places. Old Town's pretty great. Yeah. Absolutely. I like absolutely. it. So, but yeah, you, you definitely got to take a look at the uh, cafe, or I think it's Coyote Cafe. They make okay, good stuff. Um, you know, the owner here of School of P.E. Vinod, he's also an engineer. He went out to San Diego and I said, hey, you got to go to this, you know, Coyote Cafe. Yeah. So, sure they were out there in San Diego, I think, four, four days or three days. They went to that restaurant twice. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. awesome. So definitely I'll definitely check it out. So now we kind of got the fun stuff out. Of, well, not, I'm not going to say the fun stuff. <laughs> not out of the way. The non-engineering stuff. So let's kind of kind of dig yeah. into there. So, you know, can you kind of tell us what you, you know, doing out in California and maybe walk us through what a daily thing is for you out there? Um, like my job? Yeah. Tell a little bit, a little bit more about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I currently do seismic risk assessment. So when I came out to California, I guess just a little bit about the transition. I came out as a forensics engineer. Um, that was what I did in New York City and in New Zealand. But in California, what I observed, um, things just weren't breaking to the same extent. So I, there wasn't a lot of forensics work. And I realized that I really needed to learn the seismic background. I, it, I went to Johns Hopkins and Lehigh, which were great schools. I learned a lot, but no, no earthquake at all. I think it was an elective in my grad program, but I didn't take it. I wasn't planning to come to California. So I got out here and I had to study for the seismic PE. Um, so I learned a lot through that. And then as I like learned that I got more opportunities at my job, which I had actually switched out of forensics. I switched to design so that I could get that technical background. Um, so I was designing new buildings, mostly life science office buildings and lab buildings out here. It's huge in San Diego. That's probably the biggest market we have. Um, so I was designing those a lot, doing like the lateral design, which was really new to me, but I really liked it. And then I, um, I was contacted by my current firm, Blackstone Consulting, to do the seismic risk assessments. So what that means is that anytime there's a building that's um, there's going to be a transaction on, whether someone's buying it or selling it, um, if someone is lend if a bank is lending money for it, they want to know what the risk of damage is in the event of an earthquake. So we call that the building damageability. And what I do is I go to a building and we use a standard that's a little looser um, than the, there's one that has like an exact checklist that you have to follow. We use the ASTM standard as opposed to the ASCE standard. So it's more of a mental checklist based on experience. Um, so I'll look at the configuration, the age, the building type, any defects that I observe, and I'll give the bank a percentage value um, of replacement cost. So normally it's between 10 and 15%. Um, if it's really new, especially in San Diego where the peak ground acceleration is lower, it can be between five and 10. So pretty low for new buildings, um, but anything over 20%. So that's 20% of the replacement value of the building. Um, then the building would need um, earthquake insurance. 
Okay. And if it's really bad, if we say that there's a concern to building stability, they um, typically, depending on the lender, the lender can decide, but if it's Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, um, you would need to repair the building within 12 months. Oh, so wow. you would need to do a seismic retrofit. So we can provide like a loose cost and we can actually do the design if that's what they want. Um, but yeah, so sometimes we'll take all the way through and do the design. Other times we just say, your building will be okay, expecting 8% loss. Well, that's, that's interesting. I've never even kind of heard of that kind of a field of engineers. That's pretty Yeah, neat. I hadn't either. I thought it was always just forensics or design, but this is kind of like preventative forensics. Yeah, no, interesting. So, so how do you like the architecture on San Diego? I like it a lot. It took me some time. At first, I the houses are really different, like mm -hmm. the residential houses. I wasn't, I didn't know if I would ever like want to buy one because I grew up in like a three-story Victorian house mm -hmm. on the East Coast and you don't have those here. Um, but I've actually really grown to love the Craftsman's Cottages and the Southern California architecture. Very nice. Very nice. So you said you went to John Hopkins right, for your for your education. Mm -hmm. so what, were you immediately drawn to engineering or did it kind of take a while for that to kind of become your path? Now maybe talk about maybe you know how when did you realize hey you know engineering is where I want to go? Yeah, I did not know that. I'm actually the youngest of three girls, um, so not that that would exclude engineering from my mindset. But we all just were more interested in English and history uh, and more liberal arts education stuff. And I I was really good at math, um, and I really I love physics. Um, so it seems like in looking back. I should have known, but like I didn't. I love languages and I love traveling. So I wanted to study German and history in college. Um, and then luckily my school had a really good um, college advisor. And he was like, you know, you're really good at math and you're the only girl in your AP physics class. So maybe like you want to study engineering. And I didn't know what it was. So I said, okay. So that's how we got to Hopkins and a couple other schools on my college list. Um, we decided together that I would look at schools that had liberal arts and engineering. So really strong programs in both. Um, but I would start in engineering because I could transfer out, but you can't really transfer in and graduate in four years. So that was our determination. He also, I was in like AP Italian and he had me, drop that and pick up an AP stats class. So <laughs> he really helped me on that. But I, back to being the only girl in my AP physics class, that was really what helped me find my path. Um, it was a small class, like five people. So actually it was still like 20%, but um, my teacher was female and she asked me if I wanted to go to this women in engineering day at Carnegie Mellon. Um, she said she would take me down. It's like, it's in Pittsburgh, so it's like 30 minutes away. Um, so we went and they had all these disciplines set up and I got to go to three different, um, you know, to chemical, one other one, it was like nanotechnology. It was oh, wow. really cool, but not for me. And then <laughs> I went to civil and I loved it. I thought it was just the coolest thing. Um, so actually that night I went to a Pittsburgh Penguins game with my dad and I told him I'm going to be a civil engineer. And he was like, okay, and here we are. So. Yeah, that teacher definitely and that college advisor made all the difference with helping me recognize my interests, my skills, and getting me on that path. 
All right, good. Looks like you had a lot of help in, in, in guidance. That's great. Did you yeah. mention AP Italian? <laughs> I what? love languages and wow. traveling. So, yeah, we went to France when I was 13 and we met up with these. My grandparents had these family friends from Italy who came and met us and we couldn't talk to each other like the grandkids because they speak <laughs> English and we didn't speak Italian. So my sister and I decided to learn Italian. Um, it didn't go that well. <laughs> I wasn't AP, but I, yeah, it wasn't, Italian wasn't my skill set. I was really good at German and I love German, which German learning the language is very formulaic. I actually think it's not that different than being good at math and um, science. Uh-huh. It's very, there's like charts and tables and the skills are the same to learn German and math, in my opinion. Well, so that was an easy transition that it would have been. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're the first one I've ever met that had an AP in any of the languages. Oh, really? I, I was happy to get through Spanish 104. So <laughs> an AP, that's that's impressive. So yeah. are you happy that you made the switch from AP uh, Italian to AP stats? Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up, I loved the stats class. And yeah, I mean, it helped me get to where I am today. I don't do a lot of statistics, but I think it helped me like get through a freshman level statistics course or whatever. But yeah, sure. I, I I did take some German at college, um, but it was just, you just had to put all your effort into it. And I was really right. putting all my effort into engineering. So I ended up dropping off of the language path, but it worked out. Well, it looks like you chose the, the better path, it seems like. so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, being a civil engineer, there's so many different ways you can go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, obviously just in the exam itself, you, you have to find depths to choose from. What, I mean, did you know right away, hey, I'm going to go into civil engineering and I'm going structures? Or did you have any thoughts of maybe going a different route? Yeah, so I, they weren't ever separate for me. And that's just based on like a lack of knowledge. I didn't know. <laughs> that I didn't know geotechnical was an option. Um, I didn't know straight civil was straight civil. I always Mm -hmm. thought civil was structural. So I, and I went to, my school was really, really small. My civil graduating class was 12 people. Oh, wow. It was, so we didn't get to specialize. Like I think at like Lehigh and other schools, you got to choose like your specialty, even Mm -hmm. in undergrad and we didn't. We took a little bit of everything except for transportation. We didn't have any transportation classes or obviously earthquake engineering. Um, Took our soils, fluids, all the all the basics. And then I had it was a lot pretty focused and structural. I had some like advanced structural analysis courses. So they were always one in the same for me. All right, very exciting. So how soon or how long after you got out of college did you uh, take your FE exam? I took that my senior year of college. Did you find it easier taking it? I mean, like, if you had to look back at it now and say, okay, I waited seven, eight years after you got out of college, would you have been happy that you took it uh, your senior year? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I actually, I um, I was talking to one of my old professors, and she said it's now a requirement to at least take it. I was like, oh, my gosh, you have to, like, guaranteed pass to graduate. But, no, you have to take it um, to graduate. And I think it's so worth it. A lot of that stuff I haven't seen again. Like I was writing the flashcards for the school of PE and the FE stuff. I was just like, wow, I haven't thought about a lot of this since college. Um, so I'm glad I took the exam back then. It was, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, some of those topics, you don't, you don't see every day. It's not like riding the bike. You're going to forget them. 
Yeah, know, especially maybe some of the mathematics and statistics or maybe thermodynamics, something like that. So definitely beneficial to take it, uh, you know, at least your last year in college or at least as quickly after you have graduated. So great, great. And then you went on, got your work experience and you went ahead and took your PE. I see that you're licensed in two states. Yeah. I'm assuming maybe since, is that because you lived in both or was there yeah. any, any yeah, other so background I, that? Yeah, New York has since lapsed. I'm actually only actively licensed in California at this point. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I got my license in New York because I was living there. Um, I knew I wanted to leave New York, but I didn't know where I wanted to go. So it wasn't worth like if I had thought I'd move to Seattle and got my license in Washington, it just would <laughs> then I didn't move there. So I wasn't sure where to go. So I just figured I'd get my license where I was and then I would get it transferred. So that, yeah, that's why I had a license in two states. So then once I got out to California, I took some time. I took like a year before I um, applied and took the seismic and surveying exams. Oh, great, great. So can you talk about the process? So was it a similar process, licensing in New York as it is in California? Or do you find the process completely different? It's pretty different. Um, it's the same base exam. So you take the national exam no matter where you live. But I think mentally it's completely different because when you're in New York, you take the national and then that's it. Like your license, they mail you a certificate. Um, in California, if you take the national exam here, you go straight through. So you take the national oh. exam. You're, I think, already have applied to take the next two. And you have to take those in the three months after you pass the national exam. Oh, wow. Which is for me just like wasn't wasn't feasible. Um, well, I didn't try, but I don't think it would have been feasible because I studied for three months straight for the national PE. Well, mm -hmm. like every weekend, but it was pretty intensive. And then, um, and then I needed time. I studied for those three months each for seismic and surveying. Oh wow! Because the way. It worked once I transferred. I was able to take them separately whenever I wanted. Mm -hmm. It had to be the, the quarter after you were accepted. So they would accept you okay. and then you're like hit the ground running, schedule your exam and can take it anytime in the next three months. Oh, exciting. So if you already have to rank difficulty from your the national PE to the seismic and surveying, which exam do you think would you say was more difficult? Seismic is the hardest in my opinion. Um, seismic is really, really skill-based. Um, you have to know it like the back of your hand and be able to do it quickly. And if you're like me, you didn't have it in school. So it's not mm -hmm. like nature. You didn't learn it along with all the other basics. Um, the national exam, you have a lot of time. I think you have six minutes per question mm -hmm. on the seismic exam. You have under three minutes, somewhere between oh, wow. two and, a half and three. And there are a lot more, um, calculation based whereas the national exam i found was more definitions there aren't a lot of like solving problems it's a lot of code understanding and stuff like that um so yeah i found seismic by far the hardest i didn't pass my first time taking it but i i came back i studied again and it's worked out because obviously i i did the lateral design and now i do the seismic risk assessments i'm kind of glad that i didn't pass it first so that i had to really study and really get into it the second time. Well, that's great. So let's say, you know, someone comes, a friend of yours just took the PE. 
Mm-hmm. Say, hey, Erin, you know, I didn't pass the PE. You know, I'm feeling down. What do I do? What kind of advice could you give her? Saying, hey, you know, let her know that hey, it's going to be okay. Try again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say it's it is a hard exam. It is not meant to be easy. What I always say about the seismic, just because I'm talking about seismic, but this applies to the national too. It is meant to ensure that our engineers are at the top of their game and like so skilled. It's a public safety concern. And so it's meant to be so challenging to, yeah, to make sure that we know it back and front. So yeah, my main advice, if you are going to study again, would be to do as many practice problems as you can. And I say just one practice test. I don't think you need to do more than that because it's an eight hour exam. It's hard to get two eight hour periods to take it more than once, but it's worth putting everything away, having all of your resources right there, practicing with the timing and getting that down. No, I agree. And, you know, when I talk to students every day and they're always asking me, you know, hey, should I take a practice exam? And I always tell them you got to do it. The one thing is, I mean, as you mentioned, it's hard to find like an eight hour block for a PE or a six hour block for an FE, but the value you get from it is just immeasurable. You know, mm-hmm. it gives you the chance to get into that exam simulation, simulate the, the environment. I really like the thought that you brought in is of bringing your resources with you, you mm-hmm. know, because you're, so basically pretend like it is your game day. And then that way you'll, you won't be surprised when you actually go take the exam and you're not you know used to the environment. So that's some great advice. Yeah. I, I know myself and a lot of my coworkers, we were all studying at the same time. Luckily, my office had a lot of conference rooms because we would all go in like two Saturdays before the exam each take a conference room and just put our phones on silent and take the exam. So I know if you can find a conference room or something like that, where you can go and not be disturbed, then I recommend it. That's great advice. Question for you is, I'm imagining a lot of people that are getting ready to take the PE, not just in this October, but even after October probably has the same questions. You know, right now it's an open book exam. You can take whatever you like. I've, I've heard from students that have taken suitcases worth of a resource exam. Yeah. Now, after October, it moves to computer-based. So you've gone through the FE. When you took the FE, was it already computer-based? Um, no, because I took it in 2012. So I took it at a test center. I took it at, um, it was like a fairgrounds in Baltimore. It was like this big barn that we were all in. It was great. But yeah. Okay, so maybe I can get a point of view for this way for me. So for a lot of people that took the FE one with CBT, maybe, you know, the PE going to CBT is a welcome thing for people because they've already experienced it once. So if you were just done with your uh, FE during the paper and pencil, let's say you're going to take your PE, but now it's a CBT, would that change anything for preparation-wise for you or mental approach? Can you kind of imagine? Um, from my experience, it's still open book, right? You can Correct. still so take October, the yeah. Um, I guess the one thing that it changes is, so this is why I recommend taking a practice exam. And if you can get a practice exam, like that's PDF on the computer, then you can practice the CBT because I think when it's written out or like it's paper and pencil, you don't have to redraw the diagram and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's helpful just to practice that you may have to redraw the diagram or like you practice using a small part of the paper they give you because it's, you can't always flag someone down and ask for more paper. I've run out of paper every time, but (laughs) yeah, I would just say try and find a PDF practice test and run with it. All right. That's great advice. 
So let me ask you another question. So let's say you got a neighbor and uh, getting ready to maybe start college herself. And she comes in and says, Aaron, you know, I'm thinking of going into engineering, but I'm not really sure. Is there any advice that you could give to that um, young lady getting ready to start college and maybe tell her what she can expect, you know, if she decides that she wants to go the engineering route? Yeah, um, I think, well, one, if you think you might want to do engineering, do it. Like, I would say do what my college advisor told me, which is to go to a school with multiple options, but start in engineering because you st you want to graduate in four years either way. So I would start there and see a lot of people do transfer out and that's fine. Um, and then I would say just be open minded and understand how big of a field engineering is. Um, it, so my career has obviously evolved so much. I've done forensics, now seismic risk assessments, I've done design, and I'm sure there are other disciplines within structural engineering even. I haven't done any bridge design, transportation. There's so much. So just know that there's not one way to be an engineer. There's a lot of ways. And if you're interested in it, you can certainly find a path. That's some great advice as well. You know, one thing I always tell people too is like engineering, one of the things that makes it so great is that there are so many things you can do. Bridges, mm -hmm. buildings, roads. I mean, so it's almost endless, the possibilities. Yeah, and that's all within civil structural. Like there's also right. computer science and mechanical and chemical. There's right. so, it's such a broad field. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what motivates you to besides the San Diego sun? What was that? Sorry. Or what, what, what motivates you every day? Oh, um, I was thinking about this. I think, I think taking pride in my work is probably the number one thing that motivates me. Um, I'm, I'm proud of like where I am in my career. And so I just try and kind of enjoy that feeling and think about trying to make decisions every day that I would be proud of. And that would continue to keep me on a path of being proud of where I am. Um, so I think that can be like doing it, just making sure that your engineering is right, double checking it, being detail oriented, making sure everything's consistent. Um, and that just like your name is on it, especially once you're licensed, you mm -hmm. have PE after your name and you are liable for those thoughts. So yeah, I think not in a scary way, but just in a way that you should be proud of your work. And as an engineer, it, yeah, it has your stamp on it. Wow, that's, that's again, great advice. So as our time is coming to an end here, I just want to, or today, I should say, I just want to say, what kind of last minute or last bit of advice would you like to leave for the listeners? Um, I think I would just say pursue any opportunity that intrigues you. So I think my career progression has been pretty opportunistic. Things have come my way. I've like including the school of PE, I just got an email from you guys and it sounded like a good opportunity, something I would be really interested in to advance my skill sets um, and be able to reach more people, which is something I'm passionate about. So I would just say, yeah, be open-minded and pursue things that are interesting to you. Very good. So, you know, you've been teaching for us, I think about a year, you've been doing California seismic force and, and it's been a great ride with you. But you know, one of the things that, that I've noticed, not, you know, we haven't actually talked before, but, you know, we've gone back and forth in email is that you do have a passion. 
you know, you have a passion for, you know, not just you know, making sure that, you know, engineers are prepared for the seismic exam, but you just want to, you know, also you're interested in the success of the students. So it's been a pleasure having you on board. You know, I appreciate you taking the time today and I'd love to have you back for another episode. But before I leave you today, I got to ask you another question. It has nothing <laughs> okay. to do with engineering at all. All right. I'm ready. You're from Pittsburgh, going to New York. You've seen some great. I'll say great baseball teams, including the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'll give them that. You see the Yankees. That's debatable. <laughs> have you been to a Padres game? Oh, yeah, I have. I actually, um, we got in, my fiance and I got engaged right before a Pirates oh. game a couple of years ago. Well, it was a Padres game. The Pirates were in town and my parents were in town. So we were going to the Padres game and I was wearing my Pirates jersey and that's when we got engaged. So I always joke, I never thought I'd get engaged in a Pirates jersey, but here we are. So yeah, we love going down to Petco Park. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful stadium. Uh, yeah. And also the Padres, as you mentioned, they're doing really well. They uh, are, yeah. You know, Living in Ohio, I'm a big Cleveland Indians fan, Cleveland oh, yeah. Browns fan, but also, you know, growing up in L.A., huge Dodgers fan. So the yeah. Padres, they're giving those Dodgers a run for their money this year. They so. are, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I, I was saying, I know I started this by saying that it's not a sports town, but people are into the Padres this year. Everyone's talking about it. So that's obviously really fun. Absolutely. So when you arrived in San Diego, is that when the Chargers left? So did you chase them? Yeah, no, they left like I think they ended 2016 into 2017 and then left. Okay. But I'm hoping to go. They're playing the Steelers in LA oh, wow. the weekend before Thanksgiving. And they wow. have their new that new SoFi Stadium. So as like a structural engineering nerd and a Steelers fan, I'm <laughs> I'm really excited to go up for that game. Being a big a structural engineer, uh, you should take a look at the or make your way to Vegas and check out that uh, Raider Stadium. That is a yeah. that is an eye marvel out there. So yeah, uh, I think that's a TT project. My my first firm, I think, did that, but I could oh, be really? wrong. So. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful yeah yeah. yeah. Thornton Thomas said he did PNC Park in Pittsburgh and the Petco Stadium. So I always yeah. take a little bit of pride when I get to go to those those stadiums. Absolutely, and I'm hoping with a little bit of hope. I was listening to the radio today, and I heard that Big Ben is ready to roll for this season. So I think he's in the best. <laughs> so skeptical. 